I'm so glad you're joining us for our Street Soldiers show. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we are talking about reaching your goals. How many times have you said to yourself, I'm going to change this, or I'm going to start getting up earlier, or I'm going to start making more money, or I'm going to start working out more, or I'm going to start being more positive about the things that I can't change in my life. And then we get into a little bit of a routine, maybe for a week or a month or a couple of months, and then something happens in life, as it always does. And then we kind of get thrown off and thrown away from that goal. There's other urgent things that come up. And then sometimes we feel like we're not progressing at all, that we're just on a treadmill going around and around and around, especially with a lot of responsibilities that people have with jobs, with money situation, with families, with relationships, helping other people in need. A lot of you are helping people in your own communities, in your own way. It's just a lot. So what we wanted to do with this show, we're calling it Reaching Your Goals is we have three incredible guests who all have amazing stories and advice for us who are going to share their experiences and give us some tips on how we can really kind of move ahead, especially in these times, because so many things are changing. Things that we thought were going to be there forever are gone in a day. Other things are constantly being demanded of us that were never demanded us uh, before. So we're going to see if we can work through it and feel a little bit better about everything that we're doing um, in this next hour. So joining me for this conversation is Dr. Topeka Sam. She's the founder of the Ladies of Hope. She is currently or was formerly incarcerated. She's currently her organization helps women who are incarcerated and who are also at risk for other situations, whether it's domestic violence, other types of problems, aging out of foster care, that type of thing. Uh, Dr. Topeka Sam, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you, Lisa Fab. And thank you so much. Also with us is Danny Faust. She's a life coach and a hypnotherapist. Danny, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Also with us is Inky Johnson. He's a motivational speaker. And uh, Inky, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Danny, I want to start with you. You coach a lot of people about their lives. Are there certain things that are typical roadblocks that people have when they're trying to make positive changes that they know would be really good for them or that we know would be really good for us? Absolutely. Um, there are several things that are common with all of us. Um, the main thing is fear, but that fear represents in different ways and manifests in different ways. For some, it might look like imposter syndrome. For some, it might look like self-sabotage, but that's the underlying maybe feelings of unworthiness. That's when we get deep. What it will look like in the day-to-day is, oh, I said I was going to wake up early and start working out, but I hit snooze instead. So that's how it manifests. Um, that's a common thing. Also, not being clear on what you're actually looking to do um, and not being super clear on the goal and not having that clear vision is another way that um, we can probably not hit the goals that we're hoping to reach for ourselves. Um, Those are just a couple common ones. Uh, And just the things that like not really having thinking it, but not really doing any kind of action. uh, The action plan is really crucial. So having this beautiful big dream is wonderful. But then not having the action steps to take you there, it's a recipe for disaster. So being clear on the goal, having the action steps to get you there, and then that intrinsic willpower and get to itness to to take the action is really crucial. Um, Inky, tell us about your story a little bit because you you want <laughs> a certain path as a as a young athlete, and then you know events happen. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So born and raised in Atlanta, sixteen year old mother, two bedroom home, fourteen people. And always had dreams and aspirations to make it to the NFL and was the first one in my family to attend college for scholarship to the University of Tennessee. 
and was a projected draft pick in my junior year and went out to second game of the year, made a routine tackle, ended up in the emergency room, ruptured the main artery in my chest, almost lost my life, ended up paralyzing my right arm and hand, and it ended my career overnight, September 9, 2006. But I consider it one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. Extremely grateful for it. And why do you say why do you say that? Because a lot of people would be be thinking right now, oh my God, it's it's you know, what's the point after something like that? Absolutely. You know, I, I firmly believe our perspective always goes to a space and place when adversity and opposition is present. Is okay, what did you lose? Right? How did it affect you? How did it impact you? Which is very real, right? But our perspective very rarely goes to a space and place. Okay, what did you gain from it? Right? How did it make you better? Right? How did it change your perspective? And for me, it was just a place of solitude. It was just a place of self-awareness. It just was a place in time of self-assessing, right? And so for me, the reason I'm grateful for it, I firmly believe it made me a better man, right? It's made me a better father, made me a better husband, made me a better servant, right? Made me change my perspective to every single day, wake up and understand the fragility of life and how quickly things can change. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Dr. Topeka Sam, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got involved in this very important work. Right. So I got involved in this work from my own incarceration experience. Um, you know, born and raised in New York, two parent home, had all the opportunities um, that anyone would dare to dream uh, or what they say the American dream is. And when it was time for me to go to college, my parents raised us in Manorville, Long Island in an all white neighborhood. And so when it was time for me to go to college, I chose an HBCU, went to Baltimore, Maryland, to Morgan State University. And it was a whole nother culture shock. And while they're just trying to find a sense of connectedness, belonging, really starting to date, being on my own for the you know first time, I started dating guys who were selling drugs. Um, coming from entrepreneurs, I looked at it as a business opportunity, thought that I was smart and could do things better because they kept getting arrested and I just felt I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, but that's not how things happen when you're doing things like that. And so I found myself um, much later in my 30s uh, after being division chairperson for Amtrak for New York in D.C., owned a business, was operating another business, and found myself arrested and thrown in a county jail in Virginia with no bail. And um, while there, learning all of uh, the things that women specifically face while incarceration um, and how women were being criminalized for poverty, um, my thoughts prior to were that people use drugs because they wanted to. Until um, I asked a sister one day in, one, in an AA class, like, why did you use drugs? And she said her father had been raping her and gave her heroin for the first time and told her to take the heroin so the pain would go away. And it was story after story. And while being raised in the church, um, knowing who God was, I felt spiritually convicted and said I had to take accountability. And so I pled guilty uh, to conspiracy to sell drugs, thought that because there were no drugs, it was a sting operation by the feds that I would get, you know, probation and ended up getting sentenced to 130 months, 10 years, 10 months in federal prison. And so while there, um, I started learning more of the things that women were facing and going to the federal prison, I was incarcerated with doctors, lawyers, senators, judges, um, people who came from high socioeconomic backgrounds, high levels of education, but women had the same underlying issues. And so sexual trauma, violence, early childhood trauma, um, and all were in fear of what they would do when they went home. And so I asked God one night in my own meditation and prayer, what do I do? And it was clear. I would start an organization called the Ladies of Hope Ministries. 
Um, and I would do two things, provide housing for women coming home from prison and also provide platforms for women to tell their stories because I felt that if people heard the stories, saw the faces and voices of women who were incarcerated, there would be no women and girls in prison and jail. And I was blessed uh, with an early termination of sentence, came home in 2015, and so be the ladies of Vote Ministry. All right. And then we're, we're going to talk more about that. All of you, all, all three of you, incredible, incredible stories and information here. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about reaching your goals. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up, people? This is Common, and this is the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 9-7. The people, baby. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm reaching your goals. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We have an amazing panel to break this all down for us. Joining me, Dr. Topeka Sam. She is the founder of the Ladies of Hope Ministries. Also with us is Danny Faust. She's a life coach and hypnotherapist. Also with us, Inky Johnson. He is a motivational speaker with an incredible personal story. Um, thank you all for being with us uh, for this episode. Um, Inky, when you, after your injury and this whole NFL dream appeared as if it was not, not going to happen at all, that it was completely over, how did you deal with other people? Because it sounds like you had a lot of family members and a lot of other people who were depending on you to be that trailblazer in the family who really succeeds and can really provide. Yeah, it was tough. You know, for a number of reasons, because you had people that, you know, showed their true colors that you thought were really there in a genuine way to support you. But also I had to focus on my mission and my purpose and what I was trying to do for my family. And so for me, I was looking for purpose more than anything, more than a game, more than a pivot into the next career. I was looking for something that would get me up every single day because I had six incisions down my left eye. One incision across the left side of my neck, went across the right, twice through my right ribs, cut out my right pet, bottom of my armpit to the bottom of my hand. And so physically, I changed. And so I needed something to get me up every single day. And for me, that was purpose, right? That was just going out every single day, trying to add value to the environments I was going into and the people's lives that I was coming in contact with. And so the people that were around me at the time that were helping me, I was just trying to make our environment better. Right. And so for me, it was never about going and traveling the country to speak. I was just trying to be where my feet were. Right. Just trying to make a difference with the people that I was with every single day. So when we were going through our adversity and opposition in tough time, we can control our attitude. We can control our focus and we can control our perspective. Well, you had to go through. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it sounds like you had a lot of operations, a lot of surgeries, and you must have had months of of uh, just be of trying to recover from all this. Right. Yeah, so about two years, right? About a two-year process of just trying to recover, not only physically, but mentally, right? It was a shock. And so I went from the space and place. Always tell people when you encounter tough things, right? It's such a shock, right? In terms of trauma. And so you're in a space and place of, okay, what is this? Why did this happen to me? Right? Why am I going through this? Right? And I always tell people I had to make the shift from trying to understand it to just surviving it. Right, day by day, just surviving it. Right. And I shipped all across the country, different environments, different doctors' offices. And I was like, man, just survive and just win the day. Right. Celebrate the small wins. Appreciate things as they come. Right. I went from being able to use my right arm to no filling, my torso, no filling. And so I had to figure out different ways and different strategy strategies to just appreciate things as they came. And it was a two-year process to where I got to that point of two years. I was like, okay, man, I'm good. I'm ready. And it was a process of tears. It was a process of releasing. It was a process of embracing. But once that two years was up, 
it was a beautiful process of moving forward. No, that's that's fantastic, Danny. What about what about his journey and his process strikes you? Um, actually, all of it. But what? Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you so much for for telling us all that. Really, absolutely. Um, what hits me hard is the fact that you did not stay in a place of victimhood, which would be so understandable and so easy to do in the circumstances that you're in. What it seems that you have done is something I tell my clients when I'm doing one-on-one coaching is that it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. And you just have to figure out what that for you really looks like now. So you you maybe had the questions of why did, why did this happen? Why, why, why? But then you moved from why into a place of, okay, what's next? And that's where the power lies because we go from a victim stance into your powerful stance and when you can have clarity and clear thought of vision of what comes next. So uh, that strikes me. And your mindset is clearly very strong um, to be able to overcome and in the midst of such a deep, dark space of adversity, find that light, find that what's next. Where am I going from here? It's powerful. No, absolutely. Dr. Topeka, Sam, you must have had moments. I mean, here you are, you know, ed- educational opportunities, middle-class family, you know, the two-parent two family, the things that everybody would think of. Okay, this is this is the the foundation for success. Did you have you know, can you share with us like some of the moments or one of the moments where you were just thinking like, how could I be in this mess? Or what, you know, maybe feeling hopeless or just you know, very, very depressed about what was going on? Cause, you know, we all get to those moments where we're just like going, Oh my God, I'm not making any progress. Or how did I get into this? How do I get out of it? And you're just like, you know, almost spinning, like spiraling down. Did you have any moments like that? Yes and no. So um, I think my my moment of how did I get into this? Obviously, I knew I was selling drugs. Right? So it was like I knew how I got into it. Now, I didn't think I would have stayed in it because I had resources. I had, you know, opportunity. I had access to attorneys. I had all the things that typically they say, you know, you won't go to prison. You know, you have the money. And that's the way that I looked at things right now. When I got um, in that county jail, I became spiritually convicted and knew what my actions caused because I was really oblivious to the things that I was doing, period. I really was. I didn't have anybody in my family that used drugs. I didn't use drugs myself. So I did not. And I didn't hand to hand people. So I didn't see the impacts that it actually caused and harmed people. Now, while though there, and became spiritually convicted, like I said, and would really resonate. But when you say, uh, too, let me just stop right there. When you say spiritually no. convicted, what do you mean by that? You said no. convicted and you're talking about a case. So I want to make sure we understand. Oh, no, no, for sure. So spiritually convicted, when I say that, I mean that I felt the presence of God. And while I was raised knowing who God was, um, the power of God, that I lost my way, right? And so when there and being in that alone time and hearing these stories, I became convicted. Like, wait a minute, how could I do this? How could I be a part of this knowing the things that I know? And when that happened, I then looked at it like, this is not happening to me. It's happening for me, as Coach Danny said. And I also opened my Bible for the first time in a very long time. And I opened to a scripture, which is Romans 8, 28. And it says, in all things, God does good for those who look God who are called according to his purpose. And that's when I knew that it was pur- this was a purpose journey for me. And then I started asking other questions as into my why. And like, and like that, um, Inky, you travel all, you know, you, you speak to people all over the country, but 
What about for men? Because, you know, women, we're used to talking. It's a stereotype, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. It's like we're used to talking about our problems. We usually have a couple of close girlfriends that we can really unload everything that's going on. And we know our secrets are safe or, or just our, you know, whatever we're revealing or sharing with them is safe. What is it? Is it? It's different for men, right? Like, how do you, how do you talk to men about dealing with things that might be very buried in them for a long time, and that maybe society says, you know, men aren't supposed to feel those kind of emotions? Yeah, it's it's tough because you know, as a man, you're raised a certain way, right? Not everybody, but for the most part, you're raised a certain way, right? When you encounter problems, when you fall down, when things happen to you, you're raised a certain way to where you can get to a certain point to where you're callous to your emotions. Right. And you don't look at things a certain way and want to embrace things always when they happen and transpire. And so for me, uh, when my injury happened, one of the reasons I'm so grateful for it is I got to see a side of my father that I never got to witness as a kid. Right. And for me, that was a wake up call. Right. I got to stay with my father for 30 days. I probably been on the same roof as my father for one day in my childhood. I got to see the emotional side of my father. For the first time, I got to see tears come down my father's face. For the first time, I got to see my father apologize to my mother because he left when my mother had me at 16 years old, right? And so I firmly believe in the midst of adversity, opposition, challenges, there's always opportunity. But oftentimes we can be blinded, not in a bad way. We're just trying to deal with what we're going through and we're trying to cope and we're trying to navigate. And so for me, I always tell people, man, embrace it, right? Fill all of it, right? Don't fight it. Don't resist it. Embrace it. And when you get on the other side of it and make peace with it, figure out how you can use it to be a better man, because we're raised in certain ways to where it's don't cry, right? Don't feel that. Don't react that way. And that's cool. And that can serve you well in certain environments, but you always have to get to a space and place to where you're willing to deconstruct, right? Because if you're not careful, the things that once served as your advantages as a man, you can get to certain levels and aspects in life, and it can start to serve as your disadvantages as a man. And so you always have to be willing to deconstruct in terms of our growth and our development as men. Lisa, can I add something to that? Yeah, of course, please. Um, I was thinking about that because I feel that while right, there's this idea that men, you know, do hold in their feelings. They don't share. They're told, you know, men don't do that. You have to stay tough. But women are actually um, raised that way in a lot of cases. Too. No, you're right. I was just yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about them too. Right. And I'm thinking about lady. Um, women of color. When I think about, you know, the friends that I grew up with, you know, all of my white friends, when things happened to them, they were able to go to therapy. They were able to get support within their community. A lot of times when things happen to us, even within our families, you know, sexual trauma, violence, all types of things that we're told to pray things away. We're told to keep things stuffed in the secrets. You don't tell family business um, and all of these things. And so women and often, even when Inky said his mother being 16, when he had which he had him and having to learn life as a child, really, right? With a child, right? And going through that. And then there are things that she couldn't express because she had to show up for a child in a particular way, right? And so it's all of these dynamics. And I feel that often women are uh, not given really the grace that we too deserve um, because we also hold a lot of burdens and a lot of traumas that we do carry for our families and our communities. No, that's true. Yeah, Coach Danny, what about that? Uh, I was just going to say that is exactly why I started my podcast. Uh, the Manifest this podcast is to address exactly that. What I think is beautiful is that things are changing now. That stigma around mental health support for 
black and brown women and men is changing. And now it is uh, more accepted to admit your struggle, first of all, share that, hey, I am not okay, even though I'm holding it all together and it appears so from the outside. And support, whether professional, whether medical or, you know, medicine, that is now accepted. And I think there's going to be a, a broader shift as this next generation comes up where that's just the norm, where there won't be holding on to those family secrets. It's like, no, we're going to out the yucky uncle because that's what we're supposed to do and what we should have done back in the day as well. Exactly. All right. We're going to continue with more of this amazing conversation, uh, reaching our goals. On Street Soldiers, I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on Reaching Your Goals. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We have an amazing panel, really, to give us a lot of information and motivation as well on this whole topic. Joining us, Dr. Topeka Sam. She's the founder of the Ladies of Hope Ministries. She was formerly incarcerated. Now she helps a lot of women in risky situations like domestic violence, as well as those who are still currently incarcerated. Also with us is Danny Faust. We call her Coach Danny. She's a life coach and hypnotherapist. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Also with us is Inky Johnson. He's a motivational speaker. He's overcome unbelievable physical, emotional, and, and just all kinds of trauma to become the man that, and father and husband and really citizen that he is today trying to help people in uh, so many different ways. Inky, great to have you with us at, as well. Coach Danny, in, ter- in terms of specific techniques, what, like, first of all, let's take, let's take people that don't feel motivated to really do anything. Like they're, maybe they're smoking a lot, maybe they're drinking a lot, maybe they're just happy to just kind of like get by, but there's also that kind of ongoing level of dissatisfaction with them that they're not living to their potential. What, what do you say to those people? Yeah. So first, it's it's about kind of getting real with yourself. Um, you, if you're feeling unsettled in any way, that is your higher self, God source being, whatever it is that you believe in, telling you you're ready for more. Let's go get it. So if you're feeling calm and cool, it's not for you. If you're feeling a little bit of any type of disturbance in the force, that's you pushing you forward. So what you would do from there is take a look at your life. Take stock of the different areas of your life that are important to you. Family, wellness, career, finances, uh, education, giving, all those areas, and kind of rate yourself in it. And this isn't to roast yourself or make yourself feel bad. Do it with a gentle and loving eye, but look at where you're at versus where you want to be. And write down the list of what where you want to be looks like for you. So right. maybe a certain financial goal, a certain career job, uh, you know, your family looks a certain way. Write that all down and decide what what you have to do to get there, what it will feel like for you when you get there, because it's really the feeling that helps us manifest, yeah. right? You're not manifesting the circumstance. It's the feeling that you believe the circumstance is going to give you. And then what's really important is thinking about who do I have to be to get there? Because if you're not willing to make the changes in habits and and, you know, day-to-day activities that you're doing currently to the version of you that has what it is you want, it's going to be a harder road to get there. No, absolutely. Inky, tell us, tell us about some of the techniques you, you were talking about, talking about celebrating the small wins. I mean, you went through this grueling, grueling recovery just to stay alive, really. All these injuries, all these surgeries, this, this whole two-year process. Uh, can you share with us some of your, some of the techniques that you use or used? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that that I found beneficial just to my development. I journal. 
Um, and I started doing that, you know, in the midst of my adversity and opposition that I was facing. And I journaled to myself, I journaled to my wife, I journaled to my children. And I'm extremely honest, right, just about life, decisions, choices, things that I had to do in terms of with my children. I got a son and a daughter, 12 and 13. My son is 12, my daughter is 13. And so just doing life with them, right? So one day when I do present these journals to them, you know, they'll know who their father is. Even though they live with me, you know, one day they'll know my decision making, why I live life the way that I live it. But also, I firmly believe it's a powerful thing when you read your own handwriting. I think it's a lot of conviction in that. I think it's a lot of inspiration in that. And oftentimes we have dreams, goals, aspirations, things that we desire, and we never write them down. And I firmly believe when you go through things in life and you read your own handwriting, it can be a positive boost, boost of fuel to get you to where you're trying to go and help you develop into the person you're striving to become. What about mental triggers? Do you have, are there certain like mental triggers like that, that you avoid or positive ones that you use? So one of the mental triggers that I avoid is just negativity, man. Like people that are negative about every single thing, right? You hear that quote that says, right? Some negative people, they got a solution for every problem in terms of when you present a problem and they're trying to be negative about it. They don't want to be positive about it. Like I just stay away from people that are negative about every single thing. Right. There's nothing against them. I just don't have a place for that energy, right? I'm going to present to you my energy. If I can see that you're negative about every person, every environment, everything that I'm presenting, like I just got to exit because every single day I live life with a paralyzed right arm and hand. And so I tell people every single day I encounter something that I can't do, that I used to be able to do. Right. Right. And so my space and place, every single day I have to find time to bring me back to center. And I'm a person not just happy-go-lucky, not just looking at life as if everything is just Mayberry. I don't live my life that way, but I'm very realistic in terms of controlling my emotions, controlling my energy, and just trying to be a positive person. Because one of the things that I realized a long time ago, man, life is extremely short, even in, in its longest, right? Somebody that woke up this morning, they're not going to live to see tonight. And so with my injury, almost lost my life. And so the next day when I woke up, it was more so about maximizing every single moment, right? Every single encounter, maximizing. Not that every single moment will be great, happy-go-lucky, but maximizing a moment, whatever it brings. And so for me, negativity is something that it's a trigger for me. And I just exit. I don't criticize. I don't talk about. I just exit so I can right. control my energy. No, that's great. Dr. Topeka, Sam, what, what about the negative? What about the negativity? And then also what you see with the women that your organization helps. Tell us, give us a sense of that. Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, in the work in the space that I'm in, people are hopeless and negative all the time. Right. Also, because that's just the way their life has been. Um, and so what we do is give people hope by providing opportunity, by giving them resources, by teaching people how to fish, right? Um, and then giving them a hand up instead of a hand out, um, you know, supporting, making sure that we give, you know, resources, stipends during all of our programs, helping people with our HUD work, being able to pay their rent for them to get on their feet, but also teaching people around financial education. How do you save money so that you can be financially free? So, you know, we give those things and just like to talk about a little bit about those practices and manifestation. Yeah. Remember, there was a um, there is a scripture. I'm always going to go back to that just so that you know, a scripture in the Bible, Habakkuk 2 and 3, that says, write the vision down and make it plain. And at the appointed time, it'll come to pass and it will not tarry. And while I was incarcerated and I was journaling, 
And um, I also wrote the vision down. Every single thing that I have written down has come to pass. And what I realized that prior to this, I think we all live our life in the do, have, be, right? So I have to do these things, go to college. I have this, right? I have to do that in order to have these things so that I can be this. But how I live my life now is I be, do, have, right? I be what I know God has intended me to be so that I can do the things that I'm purposed to do to have the things that God wants me to have. And when you live your life in that way, you have a purposeful life, you know, a life in abundance. There are things that I never dreamed that I would be able to do. I knew that I would do great things because God, you know, imparted those. I never knew that we would be impacting 5,000 women and girls in 34 states and two countries. Wow. Um, all over the place, you know, being able to really break generational curses, partnering with so many people, being recognized, even received a full presidential pardon and didn't apply for a pardon, right? <laughs> so it's like all of these things, you know, I'm being, you know, what God wants me to be, that I'm having all of the things that I can have. So I think when we reset our mind, you know, practice. Um, you know, pray or, you know, whatever practices you do, make yeah. sure you are being accountable to something that is greater than yourself. So therefore you can always move in accordance and alignment and have the things ultimately that, that you're supposed to. Coach Danny, I know you have a lot to say about that with, and your podcast is called Manifesting. Tell us your podcast name. Called Manifest It Sis. Um, it's primarily for black women to help them recognize that where you're at is not where you're going to stay. And it helps them with mindset, motivation, and manifesting support. Um, I love what both of you guys said. I just want to jump in on a couple of things. So oh, like saying, and it's who you be is what you see. So how you're being, the version of yourself right. to the world is what determines what you're going to manifest in this life. So I love that you said that, Dr. Zabika. And Inky, uh, journaling is so very powerful. Um, and I love that you said that it's it, it connects you with your children as well, but it really connects you with your higher self, God, source, spirit, whatever you believe in as well. It connects you with that. And there is power with writing versus typing because it goes from- Oh, really? I was going to ask you about that. Absolutely. It goes from source or whatever you believe is out there within to into you and then out into the world again. So the first manifestation is from it coming from your head out into the world on paper. So there, there is power and magic in that as well. Um, and another thing you said as far as kind of um, those mental triggers- I tell people to break it down to small chunks, your day even. It's called segment intending. And that's just like every piece of your day is a new segment. Okay, I'm getting in the car to go to work. I'm going to intend that there will be no slow cars in front of me. I'm not doing that. It works. <laughs> and and it works because really it's just like Olympic athletes who visualize, right? They visualize themselves in first place, breaking that, you know, the – I don't know, whatever. That was a bad <laughs> example, but like, you know, getting the right athlete, there's studies, there's scientific studies about yeah. that. So it works for them and they're Olympians. It'll work for my regular self too. So um, I say all that to say, that visualization and breaking it down into smaller pieces makes it more bite-sized. If we think I'm going to have the most perfect day, that feels a little unrealistic. Right. But if we say, okay, I'm going to be really happy on this drive to work. I'm going to get my coffee. I'm going to listen to music I love, and I'm going to feel good. And then when you get to work, you set a new intention for that next segment of your life. So it's called segment intending. And I am a very big believer in affirmations, and I know that it's kind of has, it's a buzzword that some people like and dislike, and I just want to share. Affirmations, 
They absolutely work to help you rewire how you think and what you believe for yourself, but you have to do it the right way. It has to be said positively. It has to be said uh, in the first person, and they're and it has to be something that you can believe now. Otherwise, your brain is going to be like, nah, forget it. So I like, can't speak with an example. Sure. So I can't say, oh, I'm a multimillionaire. I'm a multimillionaire right now, and I'm not. My brain's going to be, no, you're not, child. And it's it doesn't work. I but you just, if you change it to something like, I can make as much money as I want. That's right. putting I can in front changes it from, I'm saying that this is a reality now, from saying that this is a possibility for me. So I always tell people to start their affirmations with things like I can or I'm ready for. That's another good one that brings something into the present now without making it making it seem like you're saying it's happened now. But it's like I'm ready for. So I'm ready for that promotion at work. I'm ready for the love of my life. <laughs> I'm laughing because I said maybe that's why I'm not a trillionaire yet. Because my my that I am is very powerful. So you know, when you say I am, that what comes after it is something that you truly want to embody. No, we had and uh, Dr. Christopher Edder, one of the top educators of the country. He's he said he did that for his students that were in one of the most disadvantaged uh, communities in the United States, and that they became science geniuses and did really well in school. Inky, what about what about in terms of the writing thing? Anything else you want to tell us about that, like that you it's, that you've experienced or other things that you've learned and used to motivate other people when you're talking to them? Yeah, so it's just gratitude principles, right? Oh, okay. I, I firmly believe in just being grateful. Every single day, I start my day off with gratitude, and at the end of the day, I start my day off with gratitude. Just in terms of like when I settle down, I just write down a list of things that I'm grateful for. At the beginning of the day, I write down a list of things that I'm grateful for because we all know when you walk out of the door, man, life happens, right? Yep. You get hit with a lot of different things. And so you have to put your space in place into a posture of just gratitude, right? Being grateful to accept things as they come. And so for me, teaching that to young people, as elderly people, we get to a space and place to where we go and we feel as if we got a control on our emotions, we got a control on our processes, on our approach. And I think you can never be too careful in terms of putting things in the spaces and places to where you're intentional about how you want to approach things. And so for me, I learned that in my time of adversity and opposition to where I had to get up every single day and just be grateful. Right. And so for me, I just try to teach that principle, gratitude. I'm, I'm glad you brought up gratitude. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more right after this. Yeah, 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 salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about reaching your goals. How can you really make it happen? All those things that you wanted to do, but just never quite got together or had happened. How do you make it happen? How do you live a better, more fun, more fulfilling life? Joining us is Danny Faust. She's a life coach and hypnotherapist. Also with us is Inky Johnson. He's a motivational speaker. And Dr. Topeka Sam, she's the founder of the Ladies of Hope um, Ministries. One of the big issues that a lot of people are dealing with is societal pressure through social media. They see a lot of things on social media. Um, Inky's talking about like gratitude. We know gratitude is important, but the whole comparison thing is a big part of our society. And then just just pressures from people in our lives. Well, you should be doing this, or I saw her doing that, or I saw him, he got this, or he did that, or whatever. It's, um, Inky, how do you, how do you tell people to deal with that? How do you deal with it? 
Uh, I think the quote sums it up great. You know, the quote says, comparison is the thief of joy. And often, oftentimes when you think about what other people are doing, when you think about what other people have, my grandmother used to always say to me, you don't know what somebody did to get it. You don't know what they're doing to keep it. Mm -hmm. Be grateful for what it is that you have and what it is that God has called you to do and stay true to it, right? The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. But oftentimes as people, we judge the level of sacrifice without first being obedient, right? What did they have to go through to get what they got and get to where they are? Just be obedient to what you feel God has called you to do. Everybody has a different starting place. Everybody has a different purpose and different mission, right? And everybody has a different path and journey in order to get there. And so when you compare yourself to others, you have to be cognizant by high comparison. You're going to steal your joy. You're going to steal your happiness and you're going to steal your peace. Be grateful for where you are. Be grateful for what you have and be grateful for the people that God has blessed you with. No, absolutely. Dr. Tabika, Sam, what about, you know, so social media like the, they even people behind bars have access in, in many cases to the internet. It's at least for a certain amount of time. What about the the images of women? Are those playing a role in some of the issues that, that the women you're helping have been facing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's historically played a role in, um, you know, where women are, where they feel that they should go based on the things that they see. Um, social media, unfortunately, doesn't always depict women in the best um, the best way. Or that in order for us to get a certain place, we have to look a certain way. We have to be a certain way. Um, and that's not true. And so for us, what we do, we really try to share with women alternatives and options. So like, for example, just because you've been incarcerated or you've been through some type of adversity doesn't mean that you have to go and work for, you know, something that's paying minimal wage. Right. If you believe that you have the skill set that are transferable and you can do something else with them then you should. So the other week we went to Virgin, uh, Richard Branson's companies, we went to Virgin Group and we were able to take 20 women from across our programs in New York City to their corporate office. Met with the investment team, their branding and comms team, and really talked about what some of the roles and responsibilities were in those jobs while they are a fair chance hire because we partnered with them and um, getting people hired by their company. Oh, from benefits. Right. That's yeah, from Virgin Orbit to, you know, Virgin Hotels and not just in housekeeping, right? Like in getting growth focused job opportunities. But what was so magical about that moment, there were so many women that didn't realize that they deserve to be in that space. And when they were there, you can see their eyes lightening up. But even the fact of the, the current employees, they were sharing some of the things that they went through, right? And so again, I think it goes back to what everyone has shared, like, you cannot be something if you don't see it. Unfortunately, social media with these algorithms, sometimes I'm like, how on the Explorer page do I keep seeing a bunch of half-naked women? Like, exactly. that's not what I do. Well, you know, they look beautiful and go for it. It's you not. Know, you can't go to a job in those outfits. Right. outfits. <laughs> exactly. Like, why do you keep trying to move me? So look at right, right. But if you're not aware of what's really happening, then... But continue to go that and continue to think this is the way you need to be because it programs us. Um, so, you know, it's just really opening um, and giving people new experiences um, each and every day. And also I have to be, I have to be the example, you know, as well. Oh, that, that is fa That's fantastic. Coach Danny, what about dealing like with the social media pressures people have, if they have kids, it's like the kids, everybody looks perfect. You know, it's just, it's a constant, no matter what stage, you know, no matter what stage of life you're in, they're just all or experience, you know, your hobby or occupation or whatever. 
there's just there's all these uh, there's like an inevitable almost you know need to compare yourself or to it's right in your face. How do you tell people to to deal with social media and also all the gossip stuff too? Yeah. So in a lot of cases, I work with entrepreneurs. So there's an aspect of their lives where they have to be on social. When I'm working with just a regular mom who's not in in that scope, I tell her to take it off of her phone. You do not have to be on in, on uh, Instagram. You do not have to be on this to have a few fruitful life. And I always tell everybody that we have to recognize that what gets posted is the highlight reel. So we can't compare ourselves to someone else's highlight, especially when we're having a rough day, we're feeling down in the dumps, and then we see this very perfect image that will mess with our psyche. So we have to recognize that when what people are posting is the highlight reel, we do not know what's going on in the background. We don't know what is happening just off camera, right? It could be a whole... Exactly. And... Um, I think there is a double-edged sword with with social because um, kind of like what Dr. Topeka said, if you don't see it, you don't know it exists for you. So there's one side that's really beautiful that people can pick up their phone and see across the, the world someone who looks just like them doing something that they never dreamed was possible. So it's exactly. beautiful. But where it gets dangerous is where we start to assign worth or value issues to ourselves um, in comparison to what we're seeing. So to keep that at bay, we have to really honor ourselves and where we are, recognize that we don't know what's going on with these people, and just stand firm in the knowing that what I'm doing is best for me right now and going forward. All right. Well, we're out of time, but I want to thank you all for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Um, Danny Faust, Coach Danny, Life Coach and Hypnotherapist, uh, Inky Johnson, Motivational Speaker, and Dr. Topeka Sam founder of the Ladies of Hope Ministries. Thank you for joining us for this important conversation. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.